Ask a Priest Live. Guided by the Holy Spirit and honoring the magisterial teachings of the Church. Faithful Catholic priests answering questions for believers and those seeking truth. Ask a Priest, because Father knows best. And now, your host, Jordan Pacheco. God be praised in his angels and in his saints. Hello, hello, everybody, listeners and viewers all, and welcome back to another great episode of Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco, and joining me today is Canon Benjamin Norman. He's of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, currently the representative of the Institute out there in Oakland, California at St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church. But Canon, as we can see, you're not presently in Oakland. You're actually on the road. I am. I'm in Tucson, Arizona at the moment, hanging out with Canon Fehrenbacher, St. John Oratory. So uh, Tucson, where I, I was saying a few moments ago, my alma mater, I graduated from the University of Arizona back in 08. Hey, that, that's great. What's what's the weather like out there? If you've been hearing, it's been negative last week here in Colorado. James and all of them at the station proper were buried under a mountain of snow last week. Hopefully it's a lot better out there. Well, unfortunately, I kind of brought the Bay Area weather with me here to Tucson. It's been a little chilly and rainy, so I guess, you know, it's winter. You get some of that even even in the desert, but um, (laughs) what, what can I say? It is what it is. Well, even the desert needs rain, and as long as you're avoiding scorpions and all that kind of stuff out there in Arizona, then I think that we're going to be okay. But <laughs> we've had a great show this week, Canon. There's been a lot of really, really great and spirited questions. No doubt we're going to get a few today. So I say without further ado, let's go ahead and open those phone lines. If you have a question for Canon Benjamin Norman of the Institute of Christ King, we'd love to hear from you. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's 1-877-511-5483. You can also email your questions for Canon, priests at the station of the cross.com, as well as type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. It's always fun perusing the live questions as they come in. And of course, that uh, phone number once again, 1-877-511-5483. All right, kicking us off, we have, oh, I was hoping we'd get to this question. This is Joshua from Malaysia, which means congratulations, fam. means we have an international show right off the bat. Joshua asks this, Canon. I was wondering your thoughts on the Teze community. The Teze community, or the Teze community, however you pronounce it, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know too much about them, but uh, from the little that I have been able to learn, it seems like, you know, community of uh, both, I guess, Catholics, but also Protestants who engage in things like prayer and study and worship together, and maybe certain, I don't know, meals, communal meals and certain things like that. And, you know, uh, I mean, no offense to the actual individuals involved with it. I don't want to malign their, their goodwill, but I mean, I don't really understand why communities like this exist, you know, what their, what their point is, all that sort of thing, that kind of you know, um, if that's really what they're doing, that seems like the kind of false ecumenism that was quite clearly condemned by uh, Pius, Pius XI in 1929, Motali of on religious unity, where he says that Catholics cannot participate in common prayer and common, you know, worship with uh, with those outside the faith, with with non-Catholics, with Protestants or Muslims or, or Jews or you know Hindus, whatever whatever the religion is, because quite simply, this is not. This is not true ecumenism, which really can only consist in bringing the, those outside the Catholic faith, you know, into the one true church, the, the Catholic church, 
if I don't know what's going on in these Tazay meetings, what they're saying to the Protestants, but you know, uh, if it's not resulting in conversions to the Catholic faith, then my response to it is just kind of like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, uh, why, why, why foster that? It would seem to be leading souls to perdition rather than to eternal salvation. Yeah, I concur. And I'm going to take it a step further, uh, Canon. I think that the only good things to come out of the 60s was the 1962 missile and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Would that be accurate to say? Oh, man. Well, I will, you will never hear me maligning one of the classic Western films. I'll go that far. <laughs> I love Westerns. And, uh, <laughs> especially, especially, especially when the sheriff gets his man at the end with some really big firearm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely big iron on his hip yo joshua that is a great question hey thanks for sending it all the way from malaysia thanks for making it an international show so early 1-877-511-5483 canon benjamin norman joins us today institute of christ the king sovereign priest we'd love to hear from you the phone lines are open 1-877-511-5483 or you can email your questions for canon priests at the station of the cross.com so let's type them up on youtube facebook and rumble Moving on here, this email popped up. This comes from Christine Cannon. Interesting question here. She says, is the purple scapular approved by the Catholic Church? I'm getting different answers from different sources. So I guess, you know, we really have to know what we're talking about when we use when we use these terms like approved. What are we talking about? Um, what, do, what do you mean by approved? If you mean, is it is it found in the Roman ritual? Well, no, to my knowledge, there's not in the Roman ritual a blessing of purple scapulars uh you know maybe <laughs> maybe i missed it but but i haven't i haven't seen it yet it was obviously the blessing blessing of you know the, the brown scapular the, the the white scapular the red scapular uh the blue scapular so on, so on and so forth um the five-fold scapular and i certainly encourage catholics to make use of all these you know traditional scapulars whichever one they want or perhaps multiple um but the purple scapular i haven't uh, haven't seen in the in the roman ritual it's not to say that it's necessarily false uh you know it's it would seem that um it was revealed to a um a mystic a french mystic and i think the year was 1878 or something like that or 1877 not, not quite sure in the 18 late 1800s in any event and uh to my knowledge that hasn't that hasn't been um i don't think that there have been any sort of uh you know, it attempts to to discredit the supernatural origin of the of the revelations to this mystic. On the other hand, I admit I'm not terribly studied on 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 the question of that particular mystic. This French woman, Marie Jani, I think was her name, or something like that. I'm probably mispronouncing the, mispronouncing the name, but unfortunately, but um, I don't necess- I don't want to necessarily condemn the purple scapular. That's not the point of this response. I'm just trying to say. It's a little bit at this point in the history of the Catholic Church. It's perhaps not quite clear what the status of the purple, the purple scapular is, and for the time being, it's perhaps better to use, you know, scapulars that are for a blessing for which is found in the Roman ritual, like the brown scapular. Amen. See, I have my brown scapular here, Father, but even as you are canon, but as you were saying, I didn't realize that there were all those different kinds of scapula. I've heard of, of the blue scapular before. So do other scapulars wear as uh, the brown scapular, the devotion to Our Lady Mount Carmel, but also associated with the habit of the Carmelite order? Is this also something similar with other scapulars? Are they sort of the colors representative of the different orders in which they were given? 
Well, I mean, I, I think that that's all, there's always that association. Yes, you know, um, certainly with the as you mentioned with the the brown the brown scapular. There's the um, associate the spiritual association with with the uh, with the order of Carmel, the the Carmelite order with the um, with the. But it's not necessarily. Uh, but with the certain other colors, like the blue scapular, there's uh, the, certainly the strongest spiritual affinity there would be with the mystery of the Immaculate Conception of, of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it would be different, a little bit different for each each scapular, obviously. The scapular of, what is it, the, the I want to say the Immaculate Heart of Mary, uh, the, the white, it's either the white or the red scapular. <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, uh, really, the... the <laughs> That's about all I would have to say. That's fine. I wanted to see because I think you mentioned it in your uh, in your explanation. But Julia on YouTube or Julia on YouTube uh, just wants to confirm. There's also a green scapular encouraged by Father Hillman in Wisconsin. Is that one approved? Um, so the green scapular is very very widely used, and uh, I have never heard uh, you know no, anything um, anything neg anything. I've never had any cause to have concerns about the green scapular. In fact, I have uh, at times in my life worn the, worn the green scapular. Now I just wear the, the brown scapular like a lot of Catholics, but that's not because of any sort of, I didn't have a falling out with the green scapular. It's just uh, more, I fell into the habit of, of relying on the uh, brown scapular. But yes, the certainly the green scapular is widely widely known and venerated in the Catholic world. And I, I think it should be. I, I think it, you can safely um, use the green scapular Excellent. Christine, that is a great question. It's always lovely to talk up and down about all sorts of scapulars. I hope that helps. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Benjamin Norman joins me today, Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, and currently, well, not immediately currently because he's on the road, but when he's not on the road, he is a representative of the Institute out there at St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church in Oakland, California. We'd love to hear from you. The phone lines are open. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's 1-877-511-5483. You can also email your questions for Canon today, priests at the station of the cross.com. As well as type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. We appreciate all of these live comments uh, rolling in. We'll love to get to these questions, more of them, I should say, if we have time. But again, the best way, the easiest way, of course, is to call in 1-877-511-5483. 511-5483. Let me tell you guys something really exciting about the show in the new year. We've been doing a lot more themed shows. We were supposed to have one a week ago on marriage, but of course we got snowed out. So hopefully we'll be able to reprise that soon. But if you have a particular uh, priest or canon that you very much enjoy, if there's a particular topic that you want your questions answered to, a really great way to see what's coming up in our weekly lineup, of course, is to sign up for our mailing list. You can do that at the station of the cross.com slash ask a priest live. And therefore you can get all the latest uh, updates on what priests are going to be on that week. And especially if we have different themed shows, we have shows on marriage, canon law. We've had a few different questions about our lady segments about Marian dogma, doctrine, her life. It's all been awesome. So again, that would be at the station of the slash ask a priest live. We are very, very grateful for each and every one of you who likes to tune in for a lot of our different priests, which we retain here. 
You're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Benjamin Norman today joins me of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. You hear that music going on, but guess what? You can still call in even throughout the break. We'd love to hear from you. 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions, priests at thestationofthecross.com. I'm Jordan Pacheco. Coming up, a question about how do priests stay fit? Yo, I want to know that answer. We'll see you in just a little bit. Exorcists generally identify three categories of activities and experiences that open a person to demonic possession. We can think of these categories as doors for demonic attacks on the person. They invite demons in, but they do not always result in an actual demonic possession. There is also demonic oppression and demonic obsession. There's also just hanging on to the sin, right? and not removing yourself from the sin, which happens to be door number one, he tells us. So what are the three categories of activity that can open a person to demonic possession that most exorcists are in agreement upon? Patterns of sin that are not left, that are not departed from, patterns of sin, the occult, and being a victim of trauma. Now that last one kind of sounds harsh because the person's a victim after all, it's not their fault. Well, it's a question of healing though. Are they healed from that trauma? That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Download the app to take our programming with you wherever you go. Hear what listeners are saying about the regularly updated iCatholic Radio app. The programs on iCatholic Radio are uplifting, educational, and have served to deepen my faith as a Catholic. Thank you for this amazing station. Download the free iCatholic Radio app in your Android or Apple store today. If you already have the app, please consider giving us a five-star review or telling a friend about it. Are you looking for a way to protect unborn lives while juggling a busy schedule? Consider a pro-life bumper sticker. ProLifeStickers.com makes high-quality bumper stickers that connect pregnant mothers with supportive pro-life resources. Just place one on your car and you can advocate for life everywhere you drive. Because we believe they can save lives, we're offering these stickers for free to all Station the Cross listeners. Visit www.ProLifeStickers.com to learn more. That's ProLifeStickers.com. You're listening to Ask a Priest Live from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Have a question? Ask a priest. Call 1-877-511-5483 or email us at priests at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you listeners and viewers all, and welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco, and joining me today is Canon Benjamin Norman of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, and currently the representative of the Institute at St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church in Oakland, California. A lot of great questions trickling in. Phone lines are open. We're still hunting for our first caller of the day. So if you're going to be that person, we'd love to hear from you. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon, of course, priests at thestationofthecross.com, as well as type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. And again, that call-in number, 1-877-511-5483. Now, this is a question I have. This comes from Anonymous, but I'm so curious, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make it very simple. Father or Canon, how do priests normally stay healthy physically? The Bible says the body is a temple. What type of exercise and eating habits do priests practice on a regular basis? So Canon, you tell us, how do you stay shredded, yoked, brolic, swole, all those words? 
how do I stay? How do I keep my my pear shaped form? Is that what you're asking me? It, it can it can be tough. It, it can be tough. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of priests. Uh, I guess it's painfully obvious. Don't find the time to stay so much in shape. You know, I, I struggle with it too. Getting regular exercise, yeah, it's it, it's tough. But um, but there, but it's not it's not non-existent. You know, I do have confreres, my priestly confreres in my own community, the Institute of Christ the King, who stay quite active. Um, there's some. There's one. I can think of one who was on the Archdiocesan ice hockey team uh, for for a number of years. I can. You know, I'm here with Canon Farabacher in Tucson at the moment. He's at the gym every day, and he's built. He looks like Mr. Olympus. That's the. He's tall. He's he's really swole, as you as you said. He's really jacked. I, think, I don't know if you used that one. But he's he's a very he's in great shape. Um, I admit, though, you know, and, and they're not the only examples. There are others in my community who stay quite active, be uh, be it with like you know running or playing certain sports like like soccer. That was when I played at the seminary pretty pretty regularly. I played soccer every Sunday with the others. Um, sometimes on Wednesday afternoons too. You know, I would try to go jogging um, on a fairly regular basis, at least a couple of times a week. Uh, now I pretty much you know. Uh, I like to limit myself to walks and uh, doing some calisthenics like push-ups in my in my room, cal- you know, push-ups, crunches, that sort of thing. But I'm fair. I need to be a lot more regular with it. I guess really the answer to the question is it, it you know, it's just as variable for priests as it is for the rest of uh, rest of busy humanity. You know, you, you get it in when you when you can and how you can and how you like, and which is different for every person. That's great. Now I have a question. So in seminary, did they have kind of uh, group calisthenics or anything like that? Or did they just confine you guys to the books all day? No, 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 we were not like standing out in the yard doing jumping jacks mm. together or anything like that. I would, I would like to see a group of cannons running down the road, reciting, you know, reciting the office, right. As they're, as they're doing their, their five mile hike, you know? Cannons are known more for other other activities, <laughs> not, not so not so much, fit, not necessarily ones having to do with with physical fitness. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of studying in seminary. The emphasis is really on prayer, work, and study. But that being said, at our seminary in, per, in particular, it's, there's very Benedictine influence. There's actually ends up being a lot of manual work, which you know is exercise in itself, especially things like. You know, splitting wood, you know, chopping, <clears throat> yeah, splitting wood, you know, with an axe and a mole. You know, I, I did that a bit at the seminary. There's some who do it a lot, you know, building. It's an it's in Tuscany, so, you know, I have to build walls out of heavy stones just to keep the land from collapsing, basically. You know, there's seminary. That's yeah. really, it's like, that's really heavy, heavy work. And <laughs> that, you know, that a lot of that work at the seminary ends up being quite, quite physical. So. Well, that's great. Well, even mentioning, so you got some of the comments in YouTube popping off canon. Uh, Trent wants to know, does every diocese have hockey teams? Does the Archdiocese of New York play Chicago? Is there a championship? <laughs> How do I get tickets? <laughs> oh, man. So someone's trolling us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I want to no. know, too. Like, will Denver face no. uh, Oakland? Like, how do I get tickets? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great though if, if every diocese had, had a hockey and if there was like an NHL for the Catholic, you know, Stanley Cup for the, <laughs> the Catholic diocese? There was fight, you know, fighting. It, they, but uh, there, the, the fights that had to be the priests had to be broken up by the referees. And <laughs> yeah. I used to really, referees the bishop pushing them across. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, but. Uh, 
Now, I used to really enjoy going to ice hockey games, actually, not to play in them, but um, back in, in Washington, D.C., going to Capitals games. That was a lot of fun. It's very, very fast-paced game. But no, I don't, I don't to answer the band's question, I don't know if every diocese actually has a hockey team. Uh, probably more the ones in colder parts of the country, you know, Michigan, uh, I don't know, Minnesota, maybe the tri-state area, you know, New York, New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, New England area. Probably that's more common in those parts of the country where there's more of a hockey culture. That's my guess. All right, Catholics, pray and fast. Let's make this happen. I want to see some priestly hockey teams formed across the union. We're going we're gonna to have this happen. Hey, thanks so much, Anonymous, for that awesome question. God bless you. one 877 Man, a lot of fun questions popping in today. That makes me very, really happy. And we'd love, of course, to hear your question, even if it's more serious. That's okay. one 877 Or you can email your questions for Canon Norman, Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest, priests at the stationofthecross.com. Going to turn my gaze to YouTube for a second because we're clearly having fun today. This is a great question, Trent. I saw you pop up. uh, I saw you ask this earlier. Father, is it customary to bow for the priest when he walks by during the entrance and exit processions? Also, my son is six years old and has not received his first communion. Should I bring him to the communion rail for a blessing? I use for I guess we'll start with the last question. For some reason, I, I always do that. It's kind of easier to wait, work my way backwards. But um, you certainly can bring your son to the communion rail for the blessing. There's nothing wrong with that. Same time, it's not necessary either. It's really you know, it's really up to you. Um, so it, if you if you want to, by all means, go ahead. But don't feel obligated to. Um, in regard and uh, regarding the uh, the other question of uh, what was the other question again? <laughs> Remind me. Yeah, what the, the other first, okay. first question. to the priest on on entrance and exit oh, yeah. procession. So yeah, I, I always notice this. It's and I'm not sure. Actually, I'm never sure if the quite sure if the faithful are bowing to the priest or to uh, the crucifix, which is you know the cross of procession, you know, which is a crucifix. It would seem more appropriate, I would think, to be bowing to the. Uh, if you're going to bow at all, to bow to the to the cross, the crucifix, which is being carried in procession, um, certainly you know there's no rubrics for the faithful, so it's nowhere. It's that is to say, so in concrete, this concrete example, nowhere is it going to be spelled out in a book of liturgical rubrics somewhere that the faithful are supposed to be bowing to the priest at this at this point. It seems it's just more of a pious kind of pious custom. Uh, but you know it's not it's not mandatory but at the same time if everyone else is around you is doing it perhaps it's more fitting to just do what everyone else is doing uh but it's it's not as, not as saint ambrose says when yeah. in rome do as the romans do when elsewhere do as they yeah. do so i so in yeah. i I've, i never did that custom uh, growing up can of course i grew up in the new mass but what i think it is is at my parish we you usually genuflect or do the sign of the cross when the crucifix goes by and then bow to the priest and i think as i can understand it because i picked up pretty fast i think that people are, are acknowledging the priest in persona Christe. and i remember hearing a homily that so important is a role of the priest that if an angel and a priest have you heard this if an angel and a priest were on the sidewalk and passed each other the angel would actually get off to to reverence the priest because of the priest's ability to to offer the holy mass something like that so i think it's like that kind of sign of respect Right, absolutely. So the sign of respect that's very that's that too is very, of course, fitting. And as you as you said, to re- acknowledge the priest is there about to administer a sacrament and that therefore uh, act in persona Christi. So that's certainly appropriate. 
Yeah, very much. That is a great, great question, uh, Andrew. Actually, no, it was Trent. Sorry, Andrew. I see your comment down below. We'll get to it in a second. 1-877-511-5483. Canon Benjamin Norman joins us today. Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. We're going to turn to hopefully warmer Florida and Andrea. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Andrea. And what's your question for Canon? Thank you. Hello, Canon. Hello. I'm Jordan. So can you guys hear me okay? Yes. Oh, yeah. Loud and clear. Okay. 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 Great. Okay. So, Canon, I'm a religious education teacher. I'm in year two of this, um, like, teaching, but that's not my background. I'm, like, a professional in, like, you know, like, that's not my, I'm not a teacher, right? But by God's grace, this is where he brought me. So, I'm getting ready. My kids will be making communion in May. So, a lot of the times when I teach, I teach more like an adult than I do. Like, I don't think of games to play. And, you know, so I try to make messages land, but the biggest message that I leave with the kids all the time is God loves them. He's there. Jesus is there and he's always ready to forgive them. Um, but he loves them. Yeah. But, um, and we go through the lessons and everything, but if you were to say like, these are the two things those children should know, right? Like at, at the very least, what are those two things that like, if they remember nothing else, what are those two things? That would be helpful. And I'm coming from a, you know, cradle Catholic, not catechized well, by the way. Um, and I just want them to have that, you know, that foundation in them. Uh, the Holy Mass is a sacrifice. And Jesus is really present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So when you receive Holy Communion. You're really receiving God. You're receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when you when you receive the consecrated host, when you when you receive Holy Communion at Mass, and again, the first and in a sense even more important, the Holy Mass is a sacrifice. That word is really extremely important. Sacrifice. Mm -hmm. It's the sacrifice, the offering up of the life of the Son of God to to the Most Holy Trinity. That by which makes makes possible our our salvation. That that sacrifice on Calvary two thousand years ago, which redeemed the human race and opened up the gates of heaven to us. I would say the, those okay, are really right. the two two most important things. I appreciate that so much. Very inspiring. I'm going to share that with them starting this Sunday, and they make their communion in May. Thank you so much. Wow. You're welcome. God bless. That's great. And Andrea, real quick, before you go, what, what program uh, does your parish use for RCA? I'm curious. Um, it's not, I can't remember the exact name from the book. I, uh, if you tell me, I could probably say, but I don't remember exactly the name from the book that we use. Okay. Um, and I, I, I don't think I am Oh, no, mm -hmm. no. Uh, I was I was just going to ask for my own curiosity because, of course, besides hosting this awesome show, I work at the Augusta Institute. So we do like curriculum. So if I was like, if you guys use sign of grace, I'd love to know that because that's just another parish I could put on the map for us back at the at the studio. So that's that's awesome, though. No worries. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for calling in, Andrea. God bless you. And God bless your very, very important work getting those kids uh, catechized properly. Canon, I think what you said there is so important. It was very uh, it wasn't put across to me very importantly uh, when I was making my first communion, although it was uh, very well given to us that this was a real presence. I'm very grateful for that. The mass is a sacrifice and something that I really only understood later um, coming into my life, thanks to some very heroic priests. So I think that is a very grateful point to emphasize. 
You're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Benjamin Norman joins us today, Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. Already halfway through the show and a lot of great questions, a lot of great comments. We would love to get to as many of them today, and we certainly would love to hear from you. You can call in even throughout the break, 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's one 1- 877-511-5483 or you can email your questions for Canon Norman today priests at the station of the cross.com as well as type them up on YouTube Facebook and Rumble we appreciate all the ways you get your questions to us 1-877-511-5483 I'm Jordan Pacheco don't go anywhere we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes God bless you Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. Join us for The Spirit World on the Station of the Cross. Don't be laying hands on people and definitely don't be giving commands in the name of Jesus, leave so-and-so. So what can we say if we feel like there is demonic activity? What can we do? The sacramental graces of baptism, confession, and the mass remove the vast majority of demonic problems outside of possession. The Spirit World, every Saturday at 11 a.m., right here on the Station of the Cross. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. The human body is a miraculous machine. The natural capabilities of the umbilical cord working alongside the placenta act as a lifeline to the child. A steady flow of oxygenated, nutrient-rich blood is fed to the fetus. The capabilities of the child's small home rival that of modern-day hospitals' intensive care units. Human life is sacred. Think about it. Coalitionforlife.com This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your dearly host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern to welcome back apologist Steve Ray. We're taking a fresh look at the book of Genesis. Prepare to be surprised. Join us on The Catholic Current on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. that live video of the show is just a few clicks away? Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Ask a Priest Live. Search for The Station of the Cross on Rumble or check out our Watch Live page at thestationofthecross.com. God bless you listeners and viewers all and welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host Jordan Pacheco and joining me today is Canon Benjamin Norman. He's of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest and currently representative of the Institute at St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church in beautiful Oakland, California. A lot of great questions rolling in. We're going to keep this ball rolling. We're going to go straight to Cameron in Buffalo, New York. Hey, Cameron, thank you so much for calling in. And what's your question for Canon? Hello. Uh, my question is for someone looking into a vocational uh, vocational calling like a, a priest, deacon, or a religious order, where would be the best place to start and best place to look? Well, um, that's a great question. At the same time, it's a it's a big question. And if you if you mean like what's best place in terms of what's the best 
you know, community, what, which particular community and what, what part of the world, um, I hope I'm not misunderstanding your, your question, but you know, you really, um, you know, I think you have to have, have some idea of whether you think God might be calling you to a priestly or diaconal. Well, I would say really for the diaconate, that's, you know, it's really, usually that should be considered as a transitional step to the priesthood. So, you know, limit it, limit it, or, you know, you might be considering um, maybe not being a priest, but being a monk, for example. So it really takes having a spiritual director, a good, solid, orthodox, you know, reasonably intelligent priest with whom you go to confession on a regular basis, who you trust and who you trust to give you good counsel, you know, maybe meet with that priest, I would say once a month and uh, pray Obviously, pray, you know, spend time before the Blessed Sacrament, offering your vocational discernment to our, to our Lord. But then you have to consider, you know, have to actually ask yourself, what would I, fe- what do I feel more attracted to? What kind of a life um, do I feel more attracted to? A contemplative cloistered life, like in a monastery, for example, perhaps in Benedictine or Carmelite or Dominican monastery some, somewhere in the world? Or do... I seem, I feel more of an attraction to the missionary apostolic side, um, which would be more characteristic of being, for example, a diocesan priest or being in a in a community such as, um, you know, I don't know, such as, uh, well, my own. <laughs> That's an easy example. Talk about what you know best. The Institute of Christ the King. Of course, I, you know, ser- I seriously, you know, exhort any, any man who's considering a vocation to the pre, to the priesthood and to consider one of the traditional communities. I do, you know, think that you'll f- find the most, at least at the liturgical level, your, your fullest um, satisfaction in, and development in the traditional liturgical life uh, of the church, the traditional, the sac- that is to say, all the sacraments and the traditional Latin rite. So, you know, uh, consider the the, inst- the institute of Christ the King. Consider the priestly fraternity of Saint Peter and other. There's plenty of other. Uh, well, there are some other community, communities out there, um, but you really have to, you know, have some sense by considering it by asking yourself these questions of what uh, what kind of a religious vocation or ecclesia priestly vocation do i feel more of an attraction to because usually that's how god draws us is through a certain attraction to to something in my own you know in my own case when i got to thinking about it i was fairly certain that god was you know i didn't feel an attraction really to the cloistered monastic life um but more to that missionary side of uh, the priesthood of bringing um, of celebrating the mass and hearing confessions and bringing the, fa- the grace of god and this fa- faith to the faithful through through preaching, through leading, you know, pilgrimages, retreats, co- conferences, through, but of course, in our community, I, you know, really what is primordial in the Institute of Christ the King is that, that, that celebration of the, of the sacred liturgy, the whole solemn mass and chanting the divine office to get, together. In fact, that for me, that was what was so great about being in the Institute is it seemed like we really have, you know, in our community, the best of both worlds. It's kind of that combination, that dynamic combination of, the monastic, the chant of the divine office and the uh, love of the sacred liturgy, and also, you know, this act of apostolate to, to the faithful. Um, so really, you know, it kind of goes back to you know, the first, the really kind of what is foundational is what I was saying in the beginning. You need to have a good spiritual direct, director, a good priest, and be meeting with him on a, on a regular basis to kind of hash it out and figure out what, what, 
what God may be, what, which vocation God may be calling you to. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. An excellent question, Cameron. Hey, thanks so much for sending it in. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Benjamin Norman joins us today of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. Love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. 1-877-511-5483. You can also email your questions for Canon today. Priests at the station of the cross.com. And again, that call in number 1-877-511-5483. Really interesting email here from Barbara in Indiana. Um, she asks this question, and then for everyone listening, Canon, I also will read the passage which the question derives from. Um, she asks this. I have a question based on Mark chapter 2, verses 2 to 11. Did Jesus know uh, that a paralytic man was about to be lowered through the roof before he was? If he knew that he was going to, why didn't he let them through the door? Just curious because God, uh, Jesus is God, and God knows everything. And then for some context, listeners and viewers, particularly the listeners, this is what it is. Uh, starting in verse 2, And many were gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even about the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, my son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak thus? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves and said to them, why do you question thus in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your pallet, and go home. Well, that's a great great question. Um, yes, to answer the first part of the question, yes, our Lord absolutely um, you know, knew that the, that the man was there. Uh, that he was about to be lowered through the roof because as you noted in, in your question in your question already um, our Lord is is God you know Jesus Christ is is the second person of uh, of the Holy Trinity he's the the eternal word of God the, the Son of God and so therefore yes he knows absolutely everything for from all eternity um, and until the end of until the end of time and and forever indeed Um but why did he, in that particular instance, not choose to miracul- miraculously let this person through through the door? If I've understood your que- uh, your question correctly, uh, it, it, why did he not work a miracle of let like letting this person through the door, or you know, let him, or maybe not by miracle, but let the person through the front door because maybe that would have been easier. Um, I don't know, you know, it's not part of revelation, <laughs> our Lord's motivation for, for that, that particular, um, for letting the man be lowered through the roof. But, you know, we do have to keep in mind that most of the time, generally, you know, so generally speaking, God does not interact with us through, uh, through, um, miracles just on a, on a daily basis. Uh, he doesn't ordinarily uh, go out of his way to break the laws of, of, of nature, uh, to suspend the laws of, of, of nature before us in order to 
to to communicate grace to us or to um, or to you know make known to us his his providence. Perhaps in that particular instance, our our Lord is simply willed that this man continue for means of growing in humility, for example, that this, this particular paralyzed man continued to suffer the effects of uh, the paralysis until that very moment where it was time for him to be healed miraculously by our Lord. So that um, perhaps do, doing so, I'm, and I'm, again, I'm just speculating here, this was the, me, uh, the means by which this man would be the most fully convinced of our Lord's divinity by saving the miracle for um just that that moment, not not uh, working um, a, another one before it, or by making the man not be let in, not having someone open the door for a man, but having him go through the more onerous, the more burdensome means of being lowered through the roof, because it was a sort of a final test of uh, and purification of this man's soul before before having the miracle worked again. But uh, I'm speculating. Amen. A great question, Barbara. Hey, thank you so much for sending it in. 1-877-511-5483. Canon Benjamin Norman joins us today on Ask a Priest Live. He's of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest and currently the representative of the Institute at uh, Margaret St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church. Oh, sorry, St. Margaret Mary. St. Margaret Mary Catholic Church in Oakland, California. There we go. Stuck the landing there. We're going to turn our gaze back to YouTube. This is a really, really great question. This comes from Julie. She asks this, Canon. What is the best way to consolidate as many familiar departed souls as possible during Mass on a regular basis? Are the lit candles during Mass an important means of helping many at the same time? Sounds like a question better directed towards uh, Father uh, Johann Tetzel. Do you remember a candidate? It's whenever, it's a, let me see if I remember this. Whenever a, a, a coin in the coffer sings a soul from Purgatory Springs, that's it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Consolidating the poor souls as, as if they're not suffering enough already. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you a hard time. Just giving the giving the questioner a hard time. Uh, um, now I'm imagine, uh, sorry, I'm imagining the, the souls being consolidated in purgatory. Yeah, this is purgatory. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Consolidation in purgatory. Sorry, no, but, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, really, you know, we have to, you know, I don't know that, I don't know that there's any one best means because this is, you know, what, what God is doing for the souls in purgatory is beyond what we can know, barring some um, private, some special private revelation, which, you know, most of us don't, don't receive most of the time. I've certainly never, never received one. Um, but uh, you can certainly, uh, yes, uh, what, what, you know, lighting candles and say, saying prayers for the holy souls in, in purgatory is, um, is a wonderful Wonderful Catholic uh, Catholic tradition offering a votive a votive candle, um, you know the, that's a, or perhaps multiple votive candle prayers. I always you know I say that uh, offering offering the rosary really during especially during the month of November if you can offer the rosary every single day for for the holy souls in purgatory and even more so if you can if you can do it. In the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, elite, and maybe that's maybe not everyone can make it to church every single day, but if you can do it a, a few times a week, um, the the first eight the first eight days of of the month of November every every year, there's a, a plenary indulgence attached to, um, in, under the usual conditions attached to um, any any prayers said in a cemetery. 
for the for the holy souls in purgatory even if it's just a bit of mental prayer even if it were you only had time for say five minutes of mental prayer prayer from your own heart for the holy souls in purgatory if it's done in a cemetery with the usual conditions for plenary indulgence during the first day on one of the first eight days of november plenary indulgence every single day of those first eight days applicable to all the holy souls in purgatory this very short prayer um jesus and, and mary save souls you know that's a very powerful prayer for freeing the holy souls and, and purgatory um that's very short so you can say it many many you can say it in multiple times an hour and of course the the uh, i think that there's a book from the 1930s by a, a dominican father paul i can't remember his last name but it's the title it's available on tan books and the title is how to avoid purgatory even though it's about, you know, I think the advice of that book is primarily geared towards our own avoiding purgatory. There's surely lots of good advice for aiding the suffering souls that are already there. Amen. Amen. That is a great question, Julie. You're listening to Ask a Priest Live. Canon Benjamin Norman joins us today of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. Can't believe it. We're only going to have one more segment after the break. So if you want to get your questions in for Canon, my advice would be to call in. You can even call in even throughout the break. The phone lines are open. We would absolutely love to hear your question. No questions too big. No questions too small. 1-877-511-5483. Again, that call-in number is one 877 511-5483. You can also email your questions for Canon today, priests at the station of the cross.com. So let's type them up on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. I'm Jordan Pacheco. We have one more segment left. Hopefully, we're going to turn our next question to Los Angeles and a question about holy days of obligation. I'll see you right after the break. Please join us in a prayer for unity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My adorable Jesus, may our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together to gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. O Blessed Lady, spread the effective grace of thy flame of love over all humanity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. We hear all the time from listeners who discovered the station by seeing a Tri-God bumper magnet in traffic. You can request a free bumper magnet and start evangelizing just by driving around town. Go to thestationofthecross.com and click on Promotional Material under the About tab. There you can request a magnet for your listening area. We even have one for the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Request yours today.
Enjoying the show? Catch up on podcasts of past episodes on your favorite platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you, listeners and viewers all. Welcome back to Ask a Priest Live. I'm your host, Jordan Pacheco, and joining me today is Canon Benjamin Norman. He's of the Institute of Christ the King Sovereign Priest. This is our final segment of the day. Only really about 10 more minutes of show left. So we're going to get through as many questions as we possibly can. But trust me when I say this, the best way to get your question in is just to call in 1-877-511-5483. Again, that's one 1- 877-511-5483 or you can email your questions for Canon Norman today priests at the station of the cross.com as well as keep typing them up on YouTube Facebook and Rumble we're going to try to do as best we can but y'all know the drill best way of course is to call in 1-877-511-5483 going to turn to Los Angeles California I was in Burbank for five years Colleen so it's nice to hear someone from LA and Colleen says this Canon I recently found out that New Year's Day is a holy day of obligation. I don't think I went to Mass that day in 2023. Do I need to go to confession even if I didn't know it was a holy day? Yes, um, because, you know, it's it's a matter of uh, grave matter, of missing Mass on on a holy day of obligation. Even though, since there was ignorance on your part, you weren't aware that you were supposed to be at Mass that day. So, you, you know, you would not be subjectively, personally culpable for a, a mortal sin. Um, you know, it's still it's still the obje- in purely objective terms what what actually happened. The act of um, the the failure to be physically present at mass is just in itself grave matter. So you would want to <clears throat> certainly mention it the next time that you go to confession. I advise you to, most Catholics to go to confession at least once a month. And so in your next confession, um, you, you should mention that. Amen. Colleen, that is a great question. I know it's going to help a lot of other people out there, I'm sure. Thank you so much for sending it in. 1-877-511-5483. Or you can email your questions for Canon Norman today. Priests at the station of the cross.com. Again, that call in number one 5483 Gonna turn to a different part of the world now. We have Anonymous in Ireland. Listeners, viewers, you might have to read between the lines on this one. This is a very, very important question. Uh, Canon, could you provide some resources or counsel for a young person in their early teens who struggles uh, with sins against the sixth commandment and uh, holy purity? So a couple of pieces of advice. There's an excellent book called The Spiritual Combat. Again, the title is The Spiritual Combat, and is by uh, Lorenzo Scupoli, an Italian. Again, his name is Lorenzo, excuse me, his name is Lorenzo Scupoli. Um, It's an excellent book. Um, full of, of holy counsels on how to pray and how to resist when one suffers temptations against, against uh, holy purity. And so uh, um, really we have, to, we have to know that certain habits are extremely important in the cultivation of, of virtue the cultiva- in our spiritual life, notably regular confession. And so, so at least once a month, but more often if necessary. And at that point, if one should happen to, you know, unfortunately fall into sin, especially in, in this way, what's important not 
insofar as possible, not to delay your confession for, until, say, a few days or a week or even long. Um, even longer. No, it's important to go to confession, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as you can. You know, don't be, there's no reason to be um, em embarrassed. I've been uh, contacted before by individuals just ask, you know, during the week. And I mean, uh, you know, I hear confessions every day but before mass, but I've been contacted before at, at odd times during the day, just asking, hey, can I go to confession with you? And, you know, a priest, if, if possible, should always grant the, those requests. It's extremely important. Also, know what the near occasion of sin for you is. You know, know what those particular circumstances and people and thoughts and television shows or or songs, know what those are, which are the occasion, the near occasion of sin for you, so that you can avoid them. You don't want to ever place yourself willfully and unnecessarily in the near occasion of sin. Um, so much, that, you know, it's a bit of a sad commentary on, on our fallen human nature, but so much of growing in virtue is um, avoiding the the opportunity to sin, the lack of opportunity to, to sin, especially with sins against the sixth commandment. With this, it's, you know, um, it's really the old adage that it's the coward who wins, wins the war, wins the battle against, against impure temptations. The man, the man who is wise and prudent enough to flee all, all these temptations as much as he can. That's the man, that's the person who is ultimately going to vanquish these temptations these temptations, because these temptations are unfortunately so much stronger than, than, than so many others. And we really can't, we, we can't resist them on uh, just on our own strength. That's just not, not possible for the vast majority of, of human beings. So stay occupied, make sure you stay busy. It's idleness that oftentimes, you know, it's just kind of sitting around, not having much to do or, or think or say, and just sort of lazing about that is so often the occasion of these kinds of temptations. Make sure you're always engaged in whatever your, your, either your work or necessary rest or recreation or study or prayer or at night sleep. So make sure you get to bed fairly early. Like I would say, try to get to bed by no later than 10. The devil is called the hunter of the night for a reason. Oftentimes, these temptations come about you know, at night, and it's um, the weakness of our flesh, but it's also the fall of the devil and the fallen angels, knowing that we're weaker in those nighttime, nighttime hours. So get to bed early. Try to get to bed by no later than you know, 9.30 or 10 so that you can get up early. Make sure you get, you know, most people need eight hours of sleep a night. Don't try to, you know, don't try to you know, play the saint and get by on five hours a night. No, it's just going to weaken you and make you more liable to falling to the prey to these kinds of temptations and to falling into these sorts of sins. Um, pray when you're tempted. Before all else, in times of temptations, pray. Please pray. Don't, don't, don't think that the answer is, I have to do something. No, it's we have to have something done for us by God. And how do we achieve that well we ask him ask him for him to help us in prayer so always have your rosary on you always have the rosary beads in your in your pockets so that you can reach for them when when tempted and pray to our lady to our blessed mother that she would come and strengthen you and pray to saint michael the archangel when when tempted 
And sometimes it's necessary to have something on hand to distract you, like a, a book, just a book, not maybe a religious book, maybe about a book about the life of a saint or something, but not necessarily. You know, there are, you know, um, some there are uh, sometimes sometimes books just about you know something totally secular, but which have no sinful material in them, don't present any temptations, and are just books we might read in our leisure time, for example, help us fall asleep at night. The things like that can also be very helpful in distracting us in times of temptation, changing the track of our thoughts so that the temptations ultimately go away. That, that's necessary too sometimes. You know, these kinds of distractions, religious or, or otherwise, maybe just something that entertains us, but not in a, you know, obviously not in a sinful way, it can be extremely helpful in, in moments like that. You know, and sometimes you just have to get up and go outside and get a breath of fresh air. That's extremely important too. Get some air, some you know, go into the go outside, chain, go for a walk. Anyway, that's about all I have. <laughs> Sorry. No, that is that is tremendously sage advice, Canon. Thank you so much. I know it's gonna help a lot of people beyond just our anonymous emailer in Ireland. And anonymous, a great congratulations to you for having the courage even to send in that question. That is a demon. And like it says in the great divorce, you have to allow it to be killed. Trust me, I know. Canon, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we go, we leave us with your blessing. Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti, Descendat Super Vos, Mare et Semper. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Canon. Thank you so much. And listeners and viewers, what a great show we have here on Ask a Priest Live. Hey, don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, to like, comment, subscribe to all of our things online. Tomorrow is also going to be another great show. Looks like we have Father Alan Wharton on with us tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. God bless you.